0: You could see your goal out there, you could see it in the distance, you could see your dream, but something's stopping you, and it's like there's a barrier in your way. So before you can move on to the next level, you need to close up your now and the past of those things that are getting in your way, and I call that closing a box.
1: CEOs often feel stuck in the grind of scaling their business and feel like they're missing out on the best parts of life, like family, friends, or travel. On this podcast, CEOs come to take themselves and their companies to the next level. Let's dive into The Millionaire Mind with your host, Dallin Schultz.
2: Hey folks, just wanted to add a quick little disclaimer. We do have a little bit of audio glitching in this episode. And just want to let you know that our team works really, really hard to provide a quality product. But at the end of the day, sometimes there's technical issues and we did our best to improve it. But just so you know, you are going to hear a little bit of that through this episode. I promise you, it's not going to disrupt the message and you're still going to find a tremendous amount of value. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting us and enjoy the episode. Hey, welcome back to another Millionaire Mind episode where I have some of the most successful business owners sharing what motivates them to get out of bed every morning and how they elevate themselves and their companies to the next level. And today you're going to get some insight into a SaaSpreneur's mind. Now, some of you might be asking, what the heck is a SaaSpreneur? And it's okay. I only heard of this term a few weeks ago, and it's probably made up for all I know, but it came at a perfect time for our guests today. So SaaS, a lot of people are familiar with this. It's also known as software as a service. is a massive industry, especially in today's world, with the incredible technology we have at our fingertips. And SaaSpreneurs are simply the ones that identify a need in the marketplace, and they develop a software or use technology to resolve that need or challenge. And our guest today has over 30 years in software startups, so you're in for a special treat. So let's get into it. A special welcome to our guest, Leif Hartwig. Leif, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So, Leif, why don't you take a few minutes and just share with our listener a
0: little bit about who you are, what you do, and what you're currently working on? Oh, I'd love to. Um, We're really excited about our business. There's a marketplace that we call the middle marketplace of startups, of companies. And it's kind of to set the foundation. The top end of markets is, of course, public companies, the bottom end is crowdfunding. And we're in the middle marketplace, which is just Gone through a tremendous amount of growth in the last 10 years. So it's a multi-million dollar marketplace that's actually all word of mouth. Those people raising money, they just hook up to each other by an uncle or a friend or something else. And we set out a few years ago to digitize that. And one of my big investment companies kind of said, Oh, I get it. You're like match.com meets Shark Tank. So you can imagine the match.com part of the companies trying to raise money where they post a profile and searchable fields. Are they fintech, edtech, whatever? And then the investors can search them as opposed to just using their network, looking at companies worldwide. So we're able to promote that. And it's actually grown into so much more that we've connected ultra high net worth individuals and family offices in a community. And we provide them a marketplace of these private companies, real estate, M&A deals, as well as some of our partner vendors. So that's kind of the basics of it. It's a SaaS platform, as you mentioned, which just means that we charge a monthly recurring revenue. We don't take any backsides of deals or any commissions, and we're growing the company in a new and very disruptive way. That's
2: absolutely incredible. And for those listening, if you're in the market for raising capital, it doesn't matter if it's for real estate or some other business ventures, this product that leif and his team are bringing to market or have brought to market right this is already live correct Mm -hmm. yep so definitely something you'll want to check out so i love it when people come on the show and they have experience in the space that they've been in and they're looking for ways to disrupt it it just makes it so exciting and raising capital especially in today's market is not an easy task to do Leif, you've probably experienced this. In fact, I think we talked about it on one of our pre interview calls. I think you mentioned that in this, like this time we're currently in, has been one of the most difficult times to raise capital that you've seen and probably over 15 years. Do I remember that correctly?
0: Yes. In fact, it's one of the toughest times, maybe, in the history of the world. And it's not that the times are worse than anything else, but entrepreneurs in the market, just in this country, in the US, is just exploded from entrepreneurs. There was 5 million new startups last year. Can you imagine that? Wow. And they're all seeking money. 90% of them will go under because they can't find money. We have people on the level of like curing cancer that can't find money. Here is the misnomer that startups think venture capital companies fund most of startups. In fact, they only fund 1%. And there's only about a 1,000 venture capital companies out there, and there's probably a lot of the 5 million startups, probably 100,000 seeking money. So the marketplace has outkicked its coverage. Even if VCs wanted to fund all of them, they don't. And so they the venture capital industry has only funded maybe a 1,000 deals this whole year. Can you imagine that? Only a 1,000 wow. deals with all these companies. So what happens is the companies have to go out on their own and find investors that can invest. And it's really tough. It's really tough to find them. And so We've digitized this process where people can come on the platform and through search features and other things that we provide, expand their networks throughout the U.S. and uh, in some cases internationally. That's incredible. And you mentioned earlier that if we're talking about top
2: market, bottom market, top is a company going public, bottom is companies seeking crowdfunding, and there's this middle market. And you mentioned ultra high net worth and family offices, For one of our listeners that may not be as familiar with that industry or space, could you expand a little bit more on what you mean by ultra high net worth, family offices, things like that?
0: Yeah. You know what? I first conceived of the idea. We thought about getting any accredited investor on the platform, as well as any companies raising whatever amount. But as I'll talk about later on, is that you must listen to the marketplace because the market's always right when you have a startup. You think your idea might be the best. But in fact, the market will tell you. What the market told us is that a lot of companies that just start out, they're just not ready for prime time. They haven't developed their product. They're not in revenues. So we only put on our platform those quality companies in revenues, raising a million dollars or more, and having seasoned executives. Those three factors put companies in the top 5% of all companies out there. So it's a small percentage, but it's a big number. So if you're raising a million or 5 million or 20 million, can you really go out to an accredited investor and do it in $10,000 increments? And the answer is no, because your close rate's only going to be 10%. So you have to literally talk to hundreds of people and you don't have that. So coming to your question about our investor market being ultra high net worth individuals and family offices, at a minimum, they can put $100,000 in these companies and you can get to that ultimate goal of raising what you need. So what is the definition of an ultra high net worth individual or a family office? So if you were to Google, which I have, ultra high net worth individual, Wikipedia would tell you that person or family would have a minimum of $30 million of assets under management, which they call AUM. There's about 80,000 of those in the US and about 500,000 worldwide. So again, when you compare it to a thousand venture capital companies, that's 80 times more. Now, what is a family office? It's a segment of that that is really doesn't have a definition of size, but it's someone who, let's say, they've exited their business, and they've got now $100,000, and now their new business is managing their money, right? So they put together an office with an assistant, different administrative people, as well as accountants and all the rest, and deal finders, and their job is now to invest that money. And so officially, there's probably only eight to 9,000 of those. But of the 80,000 that I mentioned with ultra high net worth individuals, it's almost indistinguishable between those two groups, family offices and ultra high net worth individuals. So they're kind of lumped all together. And that's our target market and the community that we formed. And we think it's a powerful community that brings together these great investors with high quality companies.
2: And like you mentioned earlier, one of your seasoned investors or partners has stated that it's like
0: Matchmaker meets Shark Tank. Like I yeah, think that's Yeah, you know, um, way to, one of my, my big $3 billion kind of multifamily office companies, Chris said, oh, I get it. It's Match.com meets Shark Tank. And I said, yeah, we started there and it's still part of our platform that a company posts a profile. And they might have, they talk about, are they ed tech, fintech? Are they raising money in debt or equity? Are there? what is their executive's experience? What does the company do? A whole bunch of things you can search. And so that's kind of the match.com feature that everybody, investors can easily go on the platform and say, I'm looking for this, this, and this, check the marks. And all of a sudden they get populated a group of companies that are ready to go. But we went beyond that, the market was telling us, geez, we want more than that. We want pitch events. We want relationship managers that can hook us up on a personal basis. We want conferences we want so much more and so that's where the community of these investors that can talk to each other and put together syndicates and belong to special groups belong and then from the company standpoint below they also wanted the human being element as well so it's gone beyond the match.com meet shark tank to it's really a community that we're providing a whole marketplace of different investments and different features that's incredible
2: absolutely incredible well leif you probably didn't always have this idea in in mind of what you're currently working on. In my experience, a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs we have on the show, it's through their previous experience that opened up these opportunities and got them to where they are today. And yes, there's wins along the way, but also sometimes a lot of challenges. So let's take it back now. When did this entrepreneur journey really begin for life?
3: Yeah, let's
0: talk three, four years ago. And again, I want to tell your audience, I've had more failures than most of you combined together. (laughs) And that's a good thing, right? Because we learn from our failures and we don't give up, but we take those and build on those to create something of great value. So in this particular case, I had left a previous software company and said, I still want to do something. So I said, my values are I'd like to leave the world in a better place and let's help three to five companies a year. Grow, help raise money, become kind of a fractional CFO, if you will, or CEO. And, uh, so the first company that I helped had tremendous success. I won't mention their name, but EdTech company that we helped grow, raise about $3 million for them. And nine months later, they were valued at $20 million. Okay. Wow. I thought, wow, I was pretty proud of that. Two or three other companies I brought on board and gosh, it was so hard to raise money and get them going. I said, what's going on here? This is really hard. And so one of my prior businesses, I was an international business coach with over 10,000 people that went through the program all over the U.S. and Canada. So I took my own advice, took a day off just to kind of think and did some research and found that this marketplace that I've mentioned previously, the middle marketplace, had grown to a $2 trillion marketplace, rivaling the public markets and millions of companies seeking money and investors. And can you imagine it's all word of mouth and networking? So the failure that I had in raising money for individuals turned into this is a much bigger kind of problem than anybody has realized because the marketplace really had just taken off in the last five years. And so I said, I've been in software in the past. I've been in financial services all my life. So why don't we make a big difference in the world and help these quality companies get funded and really leave the world in a better place and take this analog Or word of mouth networking marketplace into a digitized form that also had service. So that's how this all came about. But it was through that failure, if you will, or missing the target market said, this is much greater than what you think. I
2: think one of the mindsets that a lot of newer business owners and entrepreneurs and people with startups need to realize is there is money out there. There's abundance, an abundance amount of money. And just as much as you're looking for it, There's people that are looking to place it. like These people that got wealthy, they didn't get wealthy just by sitting on it. They got their money working for them. They were investing it. They were wise. So they're looking for great ideas, great visions, great people to help them to continue to grow and preserve their wealth so that they could continue doing good with whatever it is that that they're looking to do. So that's one of the things that I hope our listener realizes is that there's money out there. And really what Leif is doing with this product is bridging that gap, helping you locate it and identify it, not just for you, but also for those people with the capital. It's a very synergistic relationship when you have the capital meets the right startup or the right
0: company. And you can really create a win-win. Yeah, Let me talk about that a minute. There's about $5.2 trillion on the sidelines right now historically, there's never been more money. Venture capital companies get their money from ultra high net worth individuals. You wonder where they get it, right? That investment into venture capital companies is down 63%, but money going directly into these companies or the equity markets is up 300%. And a major difference between venture capital and private investments is venture has evolved, in venture capital companies have evolved into pretty much being all about the money. They get a thousand companies hitting them up every single month, maybe more. And so they just have metrics that they look at. Individuals and families that invest really have two things that they're looking for. One is probably just slightly higher than the other. They want to make money and they want to get into a great investment. But like 51 to 49 percent, the 49 percent that they also want is to make a difference in the world, Mm -hmm. to care about these companies. And the major issue with CEOs of companies and founders, they don't know how to raise money, and they don't know how to ask. But if you ask, it's kind of biblical in a way, right? Asking it shall be given. So you need to ask more often. And our platform allows you not only to be aggressive in finding companies, but also being attractive and attracting those people to you as they want. So again, I think you nailed it. Tons of money on the sidelines, people wanting to help you out, and there's really no t- way to connect individuals outside their sphere of influence in their network.
2: You mentioned a little bit ago, I'm going to take a slight pivot because I think there could be a lot of gold nuggets from this previous experience of yours that A, has played into your current opportunity and B, could shed some light and help some of our listeners. And that being, you mentioned that you were an international business coach and you helped, I think you said around 10,000 people come through a program. That is a lot of people you were able to impact and help. If you can narrow it down, and this might be more difficult, and and I don't realize it, what I'm asking of you, if you can narrow it down to maybe two or three reoccurring challenges that you saw these business owners go through that were preventing them from getting to that next level, what would you say it was?
0: Yeah, let me just focus on one thing okay. if I can. And, and, I mean, we had 32 different modules and it took two years to go through every quarter and it was pretty complete program. But what I would say to all your listeners that have started a business, that your mom and pop employees got you to this level, they won't get you to the next level. And this is a very difficult issue, right? Because now you've got this group of people that were loyal and helped you grow and you need to hire employees and others at a higher level of excellence to a point of being elite and you have nowhere to move your current employees. So what do you have to do? Got to let them go. You no, know, right? All of you out there listening know that you need to transition out some of those people. Some of them have grown with you, others haven't, and hire those people that have the talent and experience to take you to the next level. In most cases, the product isn't the most important thing in your business. Because remember, I just said there's millions of new products coming out every year. The most important thing is your team and the quality of that team to take you to the next level. So this is a really, it's an issue that most everybody that I've talked to in my coaching program that. This is a very difficult gut wrenching thing to transition to the next level. And once you've done this and you've transitioned to the next level, there'll be another one. You'll have to do the same thing as you grow. And so that would be probably number one. The other thing is that you want to have big dreams. So you have that big dream out there. And then, but if you keep dreaming and nothing will happen. So you have to get to six inches in front of your face every day. And what will take me from today? to tomorrow in an improvement. Someone told me if you got 2% better every week, doesn't sound like much, does it? But 52 weeks a year, you're 104% better at the end of the year. So concentrate on just taking one step at a time and moving it along. Look at that long-term outlook, but each day it's the daily goals and the activities and efforts that will get you to that. Those are gold. And I think we could just finish our episode right now and
2: our listeners would have plenty of value to take with them. But holy cow, number one, and this has come up in quite a few episodes with other guests is the employees, the hiring, the firing, the employees, the people you have on your team, the culture you're able to create. And uh, that can be extremely difficult and you mentioned you termed it as gut wrenching especially if you're the founder or the creator of this company there's people that were there with you all along helping you to get to where you are but you might be having this thought you might be having this inclination that they're just they're not there anymore like you've almost outgrown them and so any advice life to that business owner that might be going through this right now they might be thinking hey i don't know if this person's a good fit anymore how do I go about telling them, letting them know, letting them go? What advice from your experience could you share around that?
0: Yeah. So your first thought is, hey, I can make them better. Because in my coaching program, I said to every business person out there, and they all nodded nervously, you have one person in your company you need to fire. And the first thing you think of, hey, I'll put them on probation for 90 days. So you have a perfect employee for 90 days. And what happens at the end of that? They go back to their old ways, right? Right. So we call this module Closing a Box. What does Closing a Box mean? It means in this case, but in anything that you have, let me back up a second before I talk about closing boxes. I said you could see your goal out there. You could see it in the distance. You could see your dream, but something's stopping you. And it's like there's a barrier in your way. So before you can move on to the next level, you need to close up your now in the past of those things that are getting in your way. And I call that closing a box. So what does closing a box mean? It means putting something like firing an employee in this box, and it's a heavily constructed steel box. You put a lid on it, a padlock on it, and then you put a label on it to Timbuktu with no return address. So it can't come back to you. All right. So when you look at a putting someone on probation, that's not closing a box. Firing the employee is closing the box permanently, right? Now, that's very difficult and I'm very humane and I love people and love people that have given me things. But so you say, I really can't do that. Well, yes, you can. Let's put three or four different activities that will do that and a date, a date that you're going to have it accomplished. You can't say in 30 days from now because it's always 30 days from now, right? There's a place in Arizona called Tombstone and on the wall there is a, in a bar, it says free beer tomorrow. So you come in tomorrow and it says the same thing, right? So it's always 30 days from today. So put an exact date on it. And then you're caring, so you don't want to ruin these people. So find a transition plan out, help them get a new job, do whatever you need to do, but understand that they're incapable of going to the next level, okay? So you would say closing the boxes, firing the employee, here's the three or four activities, meet with them, talk to them, put together a plan, have the date that they're going to end. And then at the end of all that, you say, what is the result? Well, the result isn't firing the employee. It's hiring a more excellent elite type person. So now we've given you the opportunity to go to the next level. Now, this is the toughest thing that anybody will ever do, especially if you haven't worked for a company needed to do this in the past. And but. The one thing I can tell you is you'll say, oh, if I do this, I'll ruin their life. Well, what happened if you died tomorrow and the company was dissolved? Would this person be okay? Would they find another job? And the answer is yes. So I hope this few little tips that I've given people to start out to go to the next level will be helpful. But closing a box, whether it's ending a financial thing, a relationship personally or professionally, uh putting together a new filing system, whatever those things are holding you back. You have to address those first before you can get to the next level.
2: Wow. Awesome stuff. And you mentioned along with that, the second thing you mentioned is having your vision, having your goal, but every day approaching things and looking at things six inches in front of your face now this is extremely difficult for me personally and i think with a lot of entrepreneurs because we are so forward thinking we are so futuristic thinking that's where the ideas and the 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 ideas come from and and the opportunities so that really hit home to me because i found that that is personally one of my biggest challenges is really okay what's the most important thing i need to do today And I've worked out different tricks and things to really hone in that presence and hone in that focus. But through your experience, through this coaching, what tricks and things did your students learn or apply that really helped them be present? That's the word I'm going to say, because when you're present, you're looking at like, okay, what's the most important thing I need to do today?
0: Yeah. So just to reinforce this, watch, go Google on any given Sunday, Al Pacino's locker room speech. If you're a sports fan, you're going to love it because he talks about failure and that you should focus on six inches in front of your face. It's very motivational. So I'd encourage everybody to watch that. The most important thing is when you start your day, you're going to list everything you need to have done by the day. And there was an old company that Stephen Covey used to own. uh, It's called Franklin Daytimers. And what they would have you do is, Before you start the day, list everything that you need to be done on the day, and it could be 10 things, and then label them as importance, A, B, C, and D. So you got to get done the A's. The C's and D's can be forwarded to the next day, and at some point those C's and D's will come up as A's that they have to get done. So prioritize your work, and if you've ever had a day where you said you go home to your significant other or a friend and say, I didn't get anything done today. Well, you did. You got a ton done because you're busy the whole day, right? The mind won't say it got anything done unless it was productive. It was your most exceptional talent, okay? So what we want to do is to have that day, hey, I had a great day. I did fill in the blanks. What did you do that progressed your business, right? And so each day, you're going to list those several things before you start. It only takes five minutes or so, 10 minutes. And then throughout the day, just check those things off. And you look at the end of the day and ask yourself, did I have a productive day? And the mind says, oh my gosh, I did. You do that every day and you're going to start feeling a lot of confidence and you're going to feel like you've moved the ball forward every single day. Did that help?
2: 100%. And as you were sharing this, I've gotten this feedback from people. And again, I have experienced this myself. Oftentimes, those things that are A's that we know we need to get done, for whatever reason, it's easier to push those aside and focus on the B, C, and Ds. Maybe things that are still important, but maybe not as high of a priority. And that, in my experience and in talking to other business owners, is just kind of human nature. And the business owners that really push through that are the ones that are disciplined and say, no, I am not even looking at B, C, and Ds until we get these A's done. So being able to really prioritize those things, I think is critical, critical for business owners.
0: Any thoughts around that? Yeah, there was a saying I just saw last week on Instagram, they have these little reels that are out there and and it said, success lies in those things that you are not doing, that you don't want to do. That's where success lies. So identify those things. And in the end, what I would have you do in your team is delegate those things you don't want to do to other people. So you can focus on the things you love to do. But as an entrepreneur, we must do everything until we don't have to do everything, until we do almost nothing. But those tough things are what winners are all about. Doing those things that must be done.
2: And you mentioned Stephen R. Covey earlier. He mentioned in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, that everything is accomplished through delegation. It's either a delegation to a person or it's a delegation of your time. And so if you don't have a good process of prioritizing what those tasks are for that day, maybe that's where you need to start. And in order to know what's important for today, you should have already had a conversation meeting with your team to know what needs to happen in a month, what needs to happen in three months, what needs to happen in six months, 12 months, a year, and then work backwards. If you know where you want to be 12 months from now, three years from now, and you reverse engineer it, That's going to make it a lot easier to figure out what tasks you should be doing this day or this week.
0: Yeah. Can I leave you with a thought? Um, Because I competed against Stephen Covey at the corporate level and actually beat him out a couple of times, but it was more around the sales effort. But I idolized the guy. He just had so many good things to say. But there was a quote that I read in Deepak Chopra's book that said this the less you do, the more you'll accomplish until you do nothing and accomplish everything. Well, when I read that, I said, it's the stupidest thing I ever heard. I threw the book down because I came from the Midwest, no pain, no gain, you have to do (laughs) a lot yourself. So, But I kept thinking about every day, this thing, had stood the test of thousands of years. And I thought of one person. So this was like 20 plus years ago that I first read this. And I thought of Bill Gates. So at first he had to do everything. He had a six hour turnaround time from when he left work to when he came back. And yet when he built... Microsoft and left the company did everything and he did nothing. So it doesn't mean you do nothing all the time, but you start handing those things off and you do, you're the company at first. In the end, you've delegated enough so you can sell the company or exit and the company does everything. So that kind of, I think that answers your question about delegation. If you're looking at long term that in the end, we want the company and other people to do all those things. And at the beginning, you have to and a journey is offloading those things. Everything but what is your absolutely best
2: talent. 100%. And I think for those that are newer into business and entrepreneurship, fall into this trap of nobody can do it better than me. And that is so, so very wrong. When in fact, there's probably a lot of people that can do it much, much, much better than you. And it's not your job to do every task. I mean, think of a captain of a ship. Right. His entire goal and focus is to transport the goods, the people to the destination safely. He's not down in the engine room. He's not serving the guest all in the same. Like there's different people that make that ship get to where it needs to be successfully. And as a captain, you are the captain of the ship. It's your job to be looking out in front of you for any dangers and to make sure that your business can get to where it needs to get safely. And you can't do that on your own. You have to have people on your team. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we get back, life, let's talk about this transition from the corporate coaching into what you guys are doing today and how you were able to integrate some of that experience to really launch what you're currently involved in. So we'll be right back after a few short moments. Hey, folks, I got my good friend Julie Holly here to share with you something exciting she has coming up here in a few weeks that I myself will be participating in. And I was actually able to talk my wife into joining me as well. So super excited for it coming up. But Julie, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your event you have coming up.
3: Awesome. The Conscious Investor Growth Summit is coming up and it is really the charcuterie of all events. Instead of drilling down into one isolated topic or asset class like self-storage, multifamily, crypto, you know, whatever, mindset, health, we're wrapping it all in one. And this is a powerful opportunity for you to like just nourish and replenish. And to Dallin's point, bring your spouse, bring your partner along. We're talking about everything from Tax strategies, building credit, buying businesses, investing in assisted living facilities and other real estate to gut health and having our health as our wealth, being hyper focused, making mental breakthroughs. It's really that place, it's the refueling station, and what is best, it's in the gorgeous Coeur Idaho at the resort, right there on the lake. So you break free from the hustle of the metro areas, so you can enjoy nature, walk on the beach because it's right there at the door, or take a trail run. So you're really able to break free and renew yourself completely.
2: Definitely looking forward to it. So, folks, go to conscious investor growth Check it out. You'll see what we're talking about. And Julie has some incredible discounts going on for our community. So, if you use my first name, Dallin, Dallon, D A L L O N, as a promo code, you'll see those incredible offers that she has for you. Awesome. Thanks, Julie. We look forward to seeing you in a few weeks and we'll get back to our show. All right. Welcome back to The Millionaire Mind. So Leif, share with our listener, how long were you in this corporate coaching realm for? Let's see. Uh, it was over 10 years. 10 years. So, And you yep. took over 10,000 people through this program, incredible CEOs, presidents, founders, and I'm sure learned a lot yourself along the way. So how were you really able to take these experiences to launch the current business that you're involved in?
0: Well there's an old saying and I never wanted to admit that I was one of them but it goes like this you teach what you need to know. So I spent a number of years teaching and building that business up and a failure of that business really wasn't the business itself but we went through 2008 and it was like people turned off the spigot for any kind of coaching or training or those kind of things during that tough financial time. And so I was almost forced, if you're spiritual or religious or whatever, that it turned out to be the right thing that I started on this entrepreneurial trail in the software industry. And so that's kind of how I evolved out of that. But what I learned in my coaching business is that and why I turned to software, and this is going to be for There's older people on your podcast and there's younger people. The younger people, they want software. The older ones don't know exactly how powerful it is. But it was interesting for me going through airports to see 10 some years ago that they were checking emails, that they were getting into other apps. And what I recognized is that what they truly needed is to conduct their business online. It's better, faster, less expensive. And so the next software company that I did was a unified collaboration suite that put all these apps together in one kind of offering. And then from there, I left that in good hands and said, now that I know what I know, how can we take it to the next level? So from the coaching business, I could recognize mistakes, how to put things together. And I use that in my current business today and coaching my employees and other people to go to the next level. And What I recognized, and I don't know if this is kind of the lead into the next question, but what kind of employees do you hire? What do you look for to grow your business and how do you do that? And also knowing, because we just talked about delegation of duties, I like to think when I was younger and more naive, a lot of times I thought I was the smartest guy in the room and I never think that anymore. And as soon as your thinking turns around, you say, where are all these smart people come from? Because there's so many great people that specialize in certain things and are better than you. And that's the attitude we must have to grow. I think it requires a certain amount of
2: experience in the entrepreneurship world to realize like, hey, I really don't know it all. And it really humbles you. And I think you have to go through that. I don't even know what you would refer to it as that uh, initial onset challenge of entrepreneurship. And then you realize like, hey, I can't do this on my own, nor do I want to. And there's really, really good people that complement my
0: skill sets very, very well. You know what? And And you said a word I just love, if I can cut in. Please. and, And what that word is, humble or humility. When you get beat up and chewed up, like we all do as entrepreneurs, this is the toughest thing anybody can ever do. And when you've had a lot of failures, you finally search and do some soul searching and you find out, I need help. I can't do this on my own. And when you attain that humility, then you start recognizing that this is a team sport. And even though you can do things better than most everybody else in every category, you really can't. And when you build these solid teams and you grow, that's really where you're coming from. But I liked what you said, that when you are humble and you can seek out help. And what I found is that people out there just like to give and help you. And so especially how I formed this company out of all those past experiences, and I think this is really important to mention to everybody, I actually hired a business coach. And the coach, and here I was, this international business coach, but I believed in the concept. So he said, we're not going to start with the how, like most baby boomers are. We're not even going to start like the why of the business, like most Silicon Valley people learn." But let's start with your values. Let's start with what's most important to you. And so we spent the next few sessions on what are my values of character, integrity, family, faith, uh, value that I wanted to bring to the marketplace. And when you start at that level, and also we believe we're going to grow into a unicorn or a billion dollar valued company that having those values first, the product turns out different because you're not saying about the money. You're really listening to what the market wants. And so if I were to give another tip to all the entrepreneurs out there, focus on your values, your integrity, and have that with all of your employees. And you'll find out that the money will follow if you have that more than it will if you have just a money orientation. You got to have both, but the values come first. I share
2: this with people quite often, especially around the theme of this podcast. It's the mindset. And I pose a question to people, what comes first, the mindset or the millions? And I would argue that it's 100% the mindset. Now, the mindset, you can factor in and it goes very well with the values, right? Having the mindset of trying to improve and help and serve people and having the discipline to do what needs to get done, that comes first. The financial gains... And my experience has been a byproduct of having that mindset, of having those clear values, of having that clear mission and purpose as a company.
0: Well, can I take off on that just a little bit? Because I think you're right. That's the way you start. And I've come like 180 degrees on a lot of the concepts I've had. So uh, I was a stockbroker many years ago, pretty successful, and I focused on money. And then I started a business and I said, just like you said, the mindset, the values, integrity, but I almost became the Mother Teresa of business. You can't do that either. Okay. And so if you have a valued product, how do you gauge your success? And it's the money that people will pay you for. Mm -hmm. So if it's all around value, but you're not creating a true value that they're willing to pay for, you don't have it. Okay. So I would say that start with your values, create a great product, and this will permeate through your whole dream, but you must focus on revenues and money if you don't have a valuable product. So how you keep score that your values are there is through money. And if you look at most of the period of the world, the richest person in the world has made the biggest effect on value. So Gates with all Microsoft, Bezos with Amazon.com, Elon Musk with They've created more value, affected billions of people. So you have to understand that that's the world showing you your value. So it can't be just your values. You must be a business person as well. I know if I'm articulating that well, but I want to make sure everybody knows. Keep your eye on the ball when it comes to your revenues because the market is telling you whether you have value
2: or not. I agree a hundred percent. I agree a hundred percent. And with the revenue, that is a good way to gauge the value of your company. And if you're impacting the people the right way, because if that revenue is not coming in, you're like, okay, what can we improve? What can we change? What can like it's good? You really need both of them. So I do appreciate how you did articulate that and communicate it. You mentioned something a few moments back. And I want to see if if you have any insight on this. Younger generation, generations of business owners, it's almost automatic for them to incorporate software technology into their business, where you might have some older, more seasoned business owners that have a harder time adopting this or adopting technology into improving their systems, whatever the case is. What could you share with some of those more seasoned business owners that could definitely benefit from the use of technology, but might be having a tough time embracing it or deciding to incorporate it
0: into their business? Well, especially through the pandemic, this was accelerated. And I'll use that as as an example or metaphor that people got really used to working at home without human being interaction. Yet... It's my opinion, and we need both. When I'm talking to someone personally, even over Zoom and everything else, there is a connection and a collaboration that you don't get on software. However, software is a great tool for all of these that have used all these different types. And so right now, I think the world is finding a balance between technology and human-being relationships and we're not going back. So when you go to the grocery store, you're going to save time by going through the checkout line because they just don't have as many cashiers anymore. And for an old guy like me, we like personal service better. (laughs) But I've come to find by using it so often, gosh, I can get out of here. I have three items. I don't want to wait 10 minutes in a line. So I think when we talk about technology, that if you're listening and you're older in the workforce, take a risk and learn technology that might make you better. At the same time, you're never going to be great at it because you didn't grow up with it. And so you want to hire those people that can help you out. I would say for the younger folks in the audience that you're so used to technology, you may or not want to talk to anybody. That's kind of the, what boomers would say. But by having more interactions with your team and with other people, you're going to solidify those relationships and form bonds and also your brainstorming and ideas. And if you just get one good idea a day, it might change your whole life and your whole business. So I think we're coming to the conclusion that it's a blended deal. And if you have weaknesses in either one of those sections, I would work on them. I do have a saying I tell people, in the Midwest, you grew up saying, work on your weaknesses. And nobody that's ever really great has done that. They work on their strengths. Because if you work on your weaknesses, you're going to have a lot of strong weaknesses at the end of your life. And the top people out there, I love that saying, that the top people out there will focus on their strengths and delegate their weaknesses. Yep. Yep. Okay. And this is a kind of, I guess, we're kind of coming full circle to some things that we said earlier about teams and all that. But so, a blended society, technology, and human being relationships. I think that's where we are, and I see more of that continuing. I've had this thought, this theory, this is my
2: own personal belief, just seeing what's happening in the world of business, technology, everything around us. I personally believe we're going to start going back. To and Not in all situations, but in some businesses and situations, going back to people not wanting to do business unless they're meeting in person, shaking someone's hand, having that personal connection. And my thought is because this is becoming a lost art. People don't know how to interact and talk face-to-face anymore, and especially with all this AI movement coming in. Five, 10 years from now, Leif, we could do this whole podcast without actually doing the podcast just through our AI generated voices, images, everything. So like people aren't going to know what's real or not anymore. And I think that personal connection is going to be harder to obtain. So my belief is those businesses that can really merge the two bring the technology, the AI, you understand it as a tool, but also incorporate that personal interaction, those are the businesses that are going to set themselves apart because they're not being left behind just focusing on that in-person, shake hands, slow networking, but they're also not on the other side of the spectrum where they're trying to automate and digitize 100% of everything. And so I've already seen this with these people that are using these tools and software. You're a perfect example, Leif. Using these tools and software, but creating a community around it where people still have that ability to connect one-on-one. That's my
0: thoughts on where we're going to be heading. You said that very well, and I think we're totally aligned with what you just said. Yes. so. Well, life, man, we're coming up on
2: time. And I knew this interview was going to go quick just based on our the previous conversations we had. But as we start wrapping this up, I'd like to ask these four questions to all of our guests. But before we do, what's the next big thing for you? Like, let's share with our listener one of your big goals you mentioned earlier that you wanted to become and full believe that you will become a unicorn company valued at a billion dollars. So what's one of your next major milestones along that journey?
0: It's a good question, but I'm probably going to rephrase it a little bit because, as I mentioned about the six inches in front of your face, we spent the first couple, three years designing the product, testing it, and now it's replicating the success of our salespeople and our growth. And so we're going to work every day to tell our story and to grow and continue to listen to the marketplace and evaluate it. They say it's the journey, not the destination. And I believe Two other things that I've come to the conclusion, it's both, that you want to have the journey, but you have to have intermittent winds that you enjoy and just sit back and say, I did it. You know, like three years ago, and I'm in my 60s, I hiked the Grand Canyon from one rim to the other and back again in one day, 46 miles and thousands of feet of elevation and all that. I love to have that wind. But now we've got to move on, right? So I listened to someone, and they said, is it the journey and the destination? And they said it's both, but it's really the company you keep along the way. Love it. Isn't that interesting? Okay, because so you want to have really wonderful people along your way, too. Love it. So I don't know. I got off on a tangent. I'm not sure if I answered your question. I, uh... I, I like it. I like it. So
2: awesome, Leif. Well, to wrap up the interview here, let's go through these four questions. So what is one absolute book recommendation for those looking to scale and further develop their millionaire mind?
0: There's so many. It's like, what's your favorite dessert? But before we got on board you said you were going to ask that question, there's a book called Building a Story Brand. And I think it's a great place for people to start of what is your company and what do you do? And you need to tell a story because people remember stories over facts and figures. And it really kind of walks you through, whether you go to a movie or you have do a speech or whatever, that the story that you have about your company, people remember. And so, yeah, just real briefly, it would be the story brand. I mean, there's Good to Great, there's Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. There's a bunch of books out there, but I think that one is maybe one some of your listeners haven't heard of. And it's a great place to define who and what your business is.
2: Awesome recommendation. Love it. So what has been one of your favorite quotes that you've embodied and lived by?
0: You know, I can't recite the whole thing, but Teddy Roosevelt wrote a speech called The Man in the Arena. And today, politically correct, it would be the man or woman in the arena. But what he talks about is that being in the arena, you're going to get beat up and bloodied. And, and it's really a tough world out there. And you're going to have a lot of critics. Those would be the media or anybody else that says you can't do it. Most people say you can't do it. What they mean to say is I can't do it. Okay. And so, but at the end, it says, whether you succeed or fail, do not be one of those timid souls that know neither victory nor defeat. Okay, so it's being in the arena and working every day. And we know it's tough. You'll have successes and you'll have failures, but be that person. Be that person that puts it all out there and has a passion and you do your best every day. Love it. If there was one thing you could share with fellow business owners that are beginning
2: or simply trying to get to that next level, what would it be?
0: I would say it's hiring exceptional team members. I'm trying to think of the name of the Alabama football coach. Anyway, a video of his, and he said, you know, we have five levels we can live our lives, and this pertains to your employees too. You can do your job poorly, which a lot of people do. You can be average, which means most people. You can be good, work a little harder, work a little longer, smarter. Then the next level is excellent, be excellent at your work. And I thought, well, what could be the top level? And it's elite. So we don't hire anybody in our company. We don't do on-the-job training, at least at the small level. We hire people that are excellent, that can be elite. And so I would say as a tip to all of you out there, if you look at any sports event, you look at any theater, you look at anybody else out there, they're always excellent or elite because if you're not, you're not gonna get to your goals. So just make it a habit of surrounding yourself with people outside and inside the business that have a passion like you do, work hard and are very good at what they do. Love it. Life, how can our listeners learn more about you and your business? you can easily go to our website. We'd love you to do that. We're, and of course, we're, to, we're always working to upgrade it, but it's at wealth, Wealthvp dot wealthvp.com. And that stands for Wealth Venture Partners. And so we help those people that venture organizations and we don't want to be advisors. We actually want to help be your partner and help you grow. So wealthvp.com.
2: Incredible. Look, this has been an awesome conversation with Leif. And if this is your first time listening, I'm so glad that you tuned in. People have been asking me what my company does. So since I have you here listening to my show, I'll share that with you now. My company partners with busy professionals just like Leif that are looking to experience significant tax savings have more to invest, and even reinvest their hard-earned capital. We work with other successful business owners like you by offering them opportunities to invest alongside us in large apartment deals. At Rev Equity Group, we have found that most successful business owners have a strong desire to give and to serve, and we simply provide a vehicle to enable them to grow and preserve their wealth so they can give up their time and financial success more abundantly and freely. If you've been frustrated with the stock market, want to grow capital in something you can actually touch and see and invest in one of the most recession resilient asset classes, then you can find out how I can serve you by visiting investwithref.com forward slash resources. My team puts out a lot of content and free information to help you determine and decide if this would be an appropriate investment for you it can be overwhelming vetting the right investment and the right operator but at rev we make apartment investing easy life thanks again so much for coming on the show and just sharing with our listeners your tremendous amount of experience not only in the SaaS arena but the importance of the culture the employees and just the value of your company so this has been incredible thank you so much Thank you. I'm honored that you invited me on. And to our listener, remember, you can't have a million-dollar dream with a minimum wage work ethic. So go out there and earn your win for today, and we'll catch you on the next episode.
1: Hope you got value from this episode of The Millionaire Mind, a journey into the mindset of successful business owners. If you want to get results, you've got to take the right steps to get there. Dallin hosts a free weekly educational webinar focused on teaching you how to start investing in apartments so you too can experience the benefits of real estate ownership without doing any of the heavy lifting. There you can gain insights, connect with others like you, and ask Dallin all your burning questions about how you can start owning apartments today. Go to themillionairemind.us. That link is in the show notes.